doing our bit to bring you a little bit more of the MLS roster rules. This one seems to be a very simple one. This one's about player categories. Just player categories in MLS on the roster rules. There's like three, right? Uh, yeah, give or take a few. But, uh... <laughs> These will all apply and need to be known before the acquisition starts because they do impact how the club will work under the salary cap. It's as clear as mud. But the first one's pretty easy. Domestic players. There's no limit as to the number of U.S. domestic players on a U.S. club's roster. There are different rules for some of these for Canadian clubs, but since we're not a Canadian club, I don't think it's going to come up too much, so we're just going to skip that. I'm more a Havana club. Yeah. I got more of a club foot going okay. on. But, uh, <laughs> Terrible jokes. <laughs> yeah. We'll just cut those. It's been nice being on the show, guys. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for U.S.-based clubs, a domestic player is classified as either a U.S. citizen. Well, that seems straightforward. A permanent resident, i.e. a green card holder. Think all of those players from international that moved here already and have been in St. Louis. Hey, if some of them get a green card, that frees up the international slots. Uh, have to get their green card by the roster compliance date. We don't know that date for 2023 yet. In last year, it was February 25th, 2022. Um Expecting something similar from what's leaked about the upcoming schedule. We expect something in late February with this. Um, but right before the season begins. You can also be considered a domestic player if the holder is of a certain other special status. Like being granted refugee or asylum status. Which I think Alfonso Davies had that with uh, Canada as well, though. Whether he was a citizen or not, I don't recall. Also, any player that qualifies under the homegrown international rule, which is different than the homegrown rule that we discussed when we did this last episode. We're, we're five minutes in and my brain's already leaking through my ears. Congratulations. Okay. Well, a homegrown international is any player who meets the requirements to qualify as a homegrown player, such as being in an MLS academy for a year or with a Canadian Preview Club, you know, academy. Um, the player became a MLS Academy member no later than the year in which he turned 15 years old. How many international players are coming in to join an MLS Academy uh, at 15 years or younger? I'm not sure. And to qualify for this exemption, the player signs his first professional contract with MLS or an MLS club's next pro affiliate as his first contract. How often that crops up, I can't recall an instance, but it might. The second category, number two, is international players. Well, this is important because we got a, a lot of them already. Um, in 2023, we expect MLS in total will have 232 international roster splot, uh, spots that are divided among the 29 teams. It works out to eight teams, but it's important to know how many is in the league because these roster slots are tradable. Eight per team. Yep, eight per team is the way the math works, but they're tradable. Uh, these are tradable in full season increments, uh, and that way more teams can have more than others. Teams that want to look internationally will try to collect them. 
I believe the going rate is 200, $125,000 or $250,000 in GAM to trade off an international roster slot, and it keeps getting higher and higher. Uh, with trades, there's no limit on the number of international roster slots on each club's roster. And Canadian clubs, because of their domestic rule being different, they get more. They get three more than U.S.-based clubs. Uh, what's an international player? Well, it's any player who does not qualify as a U.S. domestic player. Well, <laughs> you know, something makes sense here. Um, and uh, that qualifies by that compliance date in late February that we don't know yet. Uh, if they get their green card and uh, the league knows before that date, then they're a domestic player and it doesn't take up a slot. So right now we anticipate St. Louis um, City's really close to filling out their international slots or haven't already. My math is bad at the moment. Um, I think we have, but any green cards will the open moment. them That's up. It. I think we have one left, but the green cards could fill those out without having to make trades or anything else. So keep that in mind. Also keep in mind that uh, uh, Charlotte was big on international slots and bringing them in and international players. And it was reported they just sort of waived some of the, the compliance dates so they could get the paperwork in last season. As MLS is want to do. Isn't that fun? <laughs> yeah. Makes this the job of uh, translating these rules so much fun. Uh, There's all this like, like English. So, There's all, an exception <laughs> to every rule. Yeah, all this like Soviet Union style bureaucracy and then all like thrown in underneath all of it is this caveat. Unless we decide not to. Yeah. And keep in mind, I am trying to take the legalese out of these rules. <laughs> keep that in mind. Um, category number three is homegrown players. For St. Louis City so beholden to its academy, this is very important to the roster build now and in the future, much as we mentioned about the Philadelphia Union. Homegrown players are players signed through the homegrown player mechanism that we discussed in last episode, uh, and they get the designation of, in quotes, homegrown player in the club's roster. If you pull up the roster on MLSsoccer.com, that is their category. They'll be listed as homegrown player. Uh, they have to have been domestic, uh, domestic homegrown player, not the international homegrown player we just talked about. A uh, domestic one is classified. <laughs> I'm losing even the people here. So, oh my, my, my brain. I'll take a moment to let you all take notes. Uh, finish your notes. Sharpen your pencils. Is there is there going to be a quiz this week too? Oh my goodness! We're no, out of an material. open note, please. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm yes, going to need to increase my notes. poster board budget to have this flowchart fit. <laughs> and oh, if you man. do want to check your notes, you have to go to mlssoccer.com, click on the about section, and there you will find the roster rules. That's how you find these. Um, Be careful you that, said that crash I your computer. Put my don't head have in my too hands. many. <laughs> Yeah, when you go and open up their player rules, make sure you don't have any other tabs open so it doesn't crash your computer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your your computer is probably more likely to run Doom than it is to uh, properly display these roster rules. You could run Doom on it. I potato. thought roster rules and Doom were <laughs> equitable. You know, <laughs> similar. <laughs> they take up they take up the same file size on a floppy. Yeah, they they uh, op operate in the same plane. Uh, but a homegrown Running doom on my TI-87 <laughs> calculator. <laughs> a homegrown player is a, it has to be in the academy for a year, and there are certain training and 
you know, retention requirements. So somebody just doesn't say they're a homegrown player. They were their academy, but we never played them. And really, they never came in, which some teams would do. Looking at you, Andrew Miami. I think you've gotten better. Uh, homegrown players are also not subject to the MLS Super Draft, which we'll get to in a later talk about players acquisition. But that's not for today. Um, so what you mean by this is that, like, if they're not already designated as a homegrown player, then players from academies can enter the Super Draft? Yes. Okay. To get into the league. If if the club doesn't want to designate them, they've run out of options, time, etc. Uh, how those rules work is not terribly clear. At yeah. this time. So, I mean, if there's no limit of homegrown players a team can sign, you yeah. know, why would they just let a player from their academy just kind of go? Uh, well, sometimes those players want to go, uh, i.e. Uh, Weston McKinney came up through the FC Dallas Academy, but uh, he really didn't have interest in signing with FC Dallas. Um, even though I had a great academy, they weren't doing such a great job of fitting those into the first team. He was ready to take his chances. He never signed an MLS contract. They never got to take advantage of this. He skipped and went over to Europe. He had the uh, passport rights or he met the age requirements to go over to Europe and he left. So that's the reason why they try to lock him down. And you see guys that are signing contracts now, 15, 14, even younger. They want to lock him down. So if they do trade him off, you know, transfer him out, they'll get some recom you know recompense for that another one to keep in mind especially when we come to the super draft is a category number four known as uh, generation adidas players and uh, this is bandied about a lot but not explained very much but each year there's a handful of top college players that mls deems as you know they're good enough they're going to be signed they're going to be players in this league mls goes ahead and signs them to a negotiated contract and then whoever drafts these players then has to take on that salary but these players are the good ones a lot of uh, slew players were uh generation adidas last year uh we fully expect St. Louis City SC to take advantage of this when the super draft rolls around remember that's different than the upcoming this week expansion draft uh, because any generation Adidas players until the end of the contract uh, guaranteed term of the contract up to three years get special dispensation for the salary cap in other words their supplemental roster they don't count but they're very good players so you take a gamble on them when they're just out of college. If they're not prepared, you still take them on because they could be valuable backups. They could blossom or the next year they could be better. And uh, they're very uh, coveted. The player that comes to mind on this one is, uh, I believe it's Celentano was the keeper for Cincy this year. Um, wasn't he uh, Generation Adidas from SLU? Absolutely. In, in the most recent draft. And then first, like right out the draft, he's already starting most of their games. I'm not sure if he was from SLU, but uh, he, uh, Patrick Schulte was at SLU, I believe, last year. I could be wrong. Mm. But what he did is they had signed a very good keeper who got hurt. Salatano slipped in. He was Generation Adidas. He played most of the season, did very well. 
he was on the supplemental roster, therefore not subject to the salary cap. That's a coup when you think about Roman Berkey being a Max Tan player and taking his salary cap hit at uh, $651,250 after they spend the TAM to buy him down. Salatano costs them nothing against the salary cap. Keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, ben Bender was also a suit. Uh, yes, he was. And he Adidas, played right? all season and starred for Charlotte. It's generation Adidas players are coveted. And Lutz could have the opportunity if he doesn't find anyone in the draft of these that he wants and could develop. Uh, he could then go ahead and draft them uh, and then sell them off for GAM to build what he wants. Uh, or just trade the draft. Yeah, pick. trade the draft slot. Yep. Either way. Uh, so that should return a good amount of uh, general allocation money because you negotiate those terms. And these guys don't take a salary cap hit. But I expect them to draft somebody that they think they could develop to fit in the first team. Because these players are so coveted because they don't take a salary cap hit. And they're expected to be good. Of course... Uh, Another one that would that, that comes to mind is Dane St. Clair was Generation Adidas 2019. Yeah. And look what he's done for... Um, shoot. Uh, he's done to step up after Montreal... Uh, not Yeah, Montreal lost uh, Crape... No. Who does he play for? Oh my god! I'm, my brain is so fried by these rules. Minnesota, <laughs> but yes, he's he's doing very very well there. Now, there's a um, lot. He of... was also he's also still not a a a cap hit at the moment because he was Generation Adidas. There's a lot of MLS stars that were Generation Adidas. They are picked to be Generation Adidas because at this age, you know, they're coming for the most part out of college, so they're not just a kid. You kind of know what you're getting, and they're expected. Expect to be good, and often they are. So you want to—they're valuable. And the expansion team gets the first pick in the draft. Almost always take a generation Adidas player to help build the roster. Very important. Category number five—the category everyone likes to talk about—is the designated player. Our beloved DPs in MLS. The designated player rule allows clubs to acquire up to three players whose total compensation and acquisition costs can exceed the maximum salary budget charge of the beloved $651,250 in 2023. That's their charge against the salary cap hit. You can spend whatever you want on these DPs, but it will cost you, you know, over six. $650,000 against your salary cap to have them. So they better be a game changer if you want to go that route. Uh, players designated player status is generally determined, as most players are, by averaging all guaranteed amounts payable over the guaranteed term of the contract. So when they sign the contract, and of course these contracts are signed with MLS, not necessarily the club, because it's single entity, um, they put all this together and then um, average that out across all the years of the guaranteed part of the contract uh, to determine what the actual salary is for determining the salary cap hit. Though there is a mechanism that we'll get to in which you can, uh, you can really, uh, well, actually, uh, it says here averaged out. Really, they a lot of them come into 
the year, but there's a way to amortize this and bring their salary down. Uh, this is for the guaranteed portion. One player can be uh, amortized over other parts of the contract. We'll get to that a little later because it's so confusing. Um, and uh, DPs can be a current clubs player or a new MLS player. Or you could trade, get a DP if a team wants to trade them and you want to take on their salary. If they want to trade them, more likely you don't want to take on their salary. Unless they're in a bind and they think they want somebody that's better than what they got. I.e. Toronto gave him Pazuelo uh, basically a way to enter Miami this year to free up spaces for Insigne and Bernadeschi. Where they just traded it for, I think, 150000 a gam to a former MLS MVP. Uh, worked out well for Toronto somewhat. Worked out extremely well for Inter Miami. Uh, there's an interesting rule here with three DPs. Really, team only gets two slots. But if you want that third slot, you can pay MLS $150,000 a year to keep that third slot open. As long as you have that third DP, you pay him $150,000 a year. And here's the kicker on that. Then the money that you collect from all the teams that went out and paid the money to get three DPs, they put that together and hand it out in, in GAM the next year to all the teams and the owners that were too cheap to have three DPs. Yeah, we talked about this last week, and it still is some of the stupidest yeah. I've ever heard. <laughs> you know that, like, you know, they worked it out in a meeting, and then, like, every owner that's willing to spend money to their team went, like, rolled their eyes and went, ah, here comes cheap-ass Jim again. Fine, I'll give you money, <laughs> since you don't want to have yeah. more than two. Uh, Fine. Yeah, big Stan. Yeah, well, it essentially comes down to is clubs that don't want to pay out of the owner's pocket for their full assortment of DPs get rewarded for this, for the competitive advantage that other owners get by, you know, trying to win. Jeez. This is, it's so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> However, oh, wait, that's what we're supposed to do? But this can come into play for St. Louis City SC. Loot's fine and steel has talked about how they're not looking to sign another DP. He could be holding on that slot to see if they get something better uh, in the summer transfer window that uh, aligns better with uh, the rest of the world, see who's available, and see what his team needs to sign a third. But if he doesn't, they go the full year. Oh, they'll get an extra 150000 in GAM if he doesn't fill that third slot. And plus, not have to pay $150,000 out of pocket. Which is chump change, by the way, in case of a DP. Because uh, that is cash. It's turned to GAM to go to the cheap owners. We will call them. Uh, also, if they do sign a DP in the summer window, the third one, the salary cap hit is cut in half uh, on that. So it'd be 300, a nice even figure of 325625 And I'll give you a moment to catch up on your notes. Yeah. I mean, that number ends in a five. That is more round than most numbers. That we yeah, have the 325,000 makes more sense than the 651. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this also comes up, and you'll hear this uh, one a lot. Uh, going off the 2022 rules, a designated player who is at least 24 years old, 
during the league year, we talked about this, whenever they're, not the date they're born, but the year they're born is where they count. They'll carry the maximum salary budget charge. Let's say it together, 651250 They're also called a full DP, and that gets bantered about a lot. That's what that means. And we do not expect this to change in 2023. That's five categories already that we've done. And these are pretty, <laughs> pretty straightforward in MLS terms. Now, yeah, if you consider straightforward a Mobius strip. Oh, but wait, there's more. Uh, oh, we're hitting the fourth dimension, yes. everybody. DPs come in flavors. There's the full DP we just talked about, and then there was a new designation slapped on top of all this called the young DP. This is not an extra DP slot. This is just a different category with different impacts in regards to what they call the salary budget charge, or we call the salary cap hit. Young DP is a you know designated player, but he must be 23 years old or younger during the league year. And the A and with this, uh, they get a reduced cap hit. Let's say the numbers for are that I'm going to quote it for 2022. I don't anticipating changes, so there could be when the uh, full 2023 roster rules come out. But if you sign a young DP, ages 20 and younger, it only hits the cap for 150,000. That's a big difference. That's 500,000 off of the salary cap hit. Of course, they're ages 20 or younger. You don't know how they're going to develop. If they're a little older, 21 to 23, it's a cap hit of $200,000. Uh, and, uh, if they join during the summer, as we talked about with city, maybe keeping one free to get in the secondary transfer window, uh, any of them carry a cap hit of 150,000. Also in the case of the older young DPs, you can use GAM to buy them down by 50,000. So instead of $200,000 cap hit, they can be 150. That's not a lot of GAM. That's not a lot of salary cap hit, but it's out there. But so it sounds like for a young DP, the hard floor is $150,000. You cannot get a lower cap hit than that. That's a magical number, and it'll come up over and over. It did, yes, uh, last episode when we were talking about, uh, you know, the salary cap hit. It's a magical number for buying down these contracts. There's an interesting caveat, and I find that this is hilarious that this actually has to be in here. If a club uses their third DP player slot to sign a young designated player, then they don't have to pay the $150,000 in cash for the third DP. And it's just cash, which is not as important as allocation money in MLS's little, you know, insular universe that it operates in. But why, though? <laughs> These rules... Uh, some oh owner God. somewhere it's... raised a stink because that $150,000 when we're talking about millions of dollars paid to DPs, that really matters to them. This is deranged. 
But it, yes, it is. I knew these rules were convoluted, but every time we talk about them, it just keeps getting worse. Does anyone, anyone want to go play Cones of Dunshire? It's a, probably a lot more simple game. Than what <laughs> it's probably easier now. to understand than this. <laughs> cones of Dunshire. Oh my god! It's all about the cones. Mike, Mike has to be the ledgerman, though. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know. This is another way that MLS instituted to remake the league as a destination to develop and sell on players and get away from the old, quote, retirement league moniker that they had developed early on. And I don't know if this mechanism has worked out so well, but these things to remake the league and get away from retirement league have really helped in the, the way MLS is looked at and the way the transactions go around the world and the attraction of better players so so i guess like that's the incentive right to not have to pay that $150,000 fee to have a third dp but why is it there in the first place <laughs> the real incentive here is to get them young develop them and send them off but it's that reduced calorie salary cap hit uh you know 200 or even down to 150,000 but they're young players and they have to be developed. You're going to be spending a lot of money in acquisition fees. Maybe not necessarily salary, but the acquisition fees to get a young player that, that that's good enough to spend all that money on. Then you expect to sell. Uh, it's going to take a lot of money to get them out. And they usually are getting brought out of um, South America is where you usually see these players um, being bought from that fit. So you thought that was convoluted. That was an older initiative. You know how MLS never really revamps these rules. They just slap more cards on the crumbling uh, card castle that they're building. We now go to category number seven of what makes up a roster of 30 players in MLS. And this is called the U-22 Initiative, also known as Young Money. A Winchester mystery house of cards. To tell you how absolutely easy it will be to discuss this, I think it is probably the singular most confusing and convoluted thing in all of the MLS roster rules. <sighs> so prepare yourselves. Uh, have a shot if you got one handy. Smoke them if you got yeah. them. They keep, they keep making these buckets to, to be collecting... Th to be collecting the money that is funneling out the holes of the other buckets, and the buckets themselves also have holes to be funneled into other buckets. It's yeah, it, it's like little... watching marble tracks, I guess. Yeah, a, a very but little you known don't fact know about which one's gonna be the winner. <laughs> a very little known fact about Don Garber is that he's the illegitimate love child of M.C. Escher and H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> It's the only oh logical gosh. explanation for these rules. Do not, I wouldn't do be not surprised ask. if that was actively true. Do not ask what he named his cat. <laughs> but here's the thing. Garber's like, how do we make this, uh, you know, becoming a development league and not retirement league? And he comes with an idea and he takes it to the owners and you've got the new money guys that want to win. You got the old money guys that have uh, taken a lot of losses over the years, even though their franchise values have soared, uh, that don't want to spend a damn dime. And uh, that fight seems to get harsher and harsher, and you're ending up with these more and more uh, convoluted rules, and nobody's taking on the task to revamp them. 
Uh, so it just gets slapped on top. And, and you thought the young DP was... Uh, this has to be said, and there's a reason why we buried this particular bit of the roster rules in the bottom of this show, but it's out there for anybody else yeah. who wants to listen or re- redo it. It's out here. Mike, these notes take up almost an entire page just for the U22 slot. It is insane. <laughs> this rule is the most insane thing. It didn't come out of committee. It came out of subcommittees and then got fought over in the full committee. And this is what you come out with. And then it went through the attorneys and then the accountants and then went back to subcommittee and went to full committee. And this is what we get. This is the Milwaukee City flag of roster <laughs> rules. <laughs> oh my God. I did not. Th- oh. Who, which rule is okay. the wheat? <laughs> now, a little vexillology joke for all you flag nerds out there. <laughs> Hello. But if you're s- a flag nerd, find a different hobby. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> if, if a technical director can really figure out these rules, and if a scouting department can really find a player this age that works, this can be great for a team's roster. If that player is good enough to actually play, either starting or as a valuable um, a part off the bench. There is a lot in here that actually works for a team, but so far it hasn't really paid off on the field for MLS teams. But maybe Lutz can figure it out. Uh, he wants young, hungry players. Maybe this is a mechanism he can really use to help the team. Yeah, we just need one eccentric German who's tried to steal a penguin before to make all of this work. <laughs> oh, he would have never been paid enough to take up this initiative when he was playing. <laughs> and he'd probably be the first to tell you that. But let's get started. Let's dive in. The players that are picked and signed as a U-22 initiative will have a salary cap hit that mirrors that of a young designated player. Their age is 20 and younger. It's 150,000 salary cap hit. This is a little different. Ages 21 to 25 get $200,000 salary cap hit. These are DP slots, basically. Uh, Anything above these charges are paid by the owners. So two important things here. You say they're basically DP slots. They don't actually take up the, your three no. DP slots, though, right? Right. And then also that thing with the 25 years old thing in there is because if they are 22 for the league year, then they could become 25 by the end of their contract. We'll get into that. Okay. The other thing is these are not designated <sighs> players, but this the U22, the Young Money Initiative, allows you to spend, you know, a substantial amount it functions like the a salary kit. Yeah, it's a way for you to spend above and beyond what you could fit in your roster. So it sounds more like this was attempted to be a redo of the young DP rule, but they didn't get rid of the young DP rule. Kinda. It's all staircases to nowhere, man. <laughs> now here's the eligibilities you were talking about for the U22 initiative slot. Uh, A player must be 22 years old or younger in the first year he's eligible eligible to play in an MLS game. Uh, For example, not eligible in 2023 if he turns 2023. (laughs) 
turns 23 in 2020. So in other words, in the upcoming year, if he turns 23 anytime during that year, he can't be a U-22. They got to be younger than that. A player who signs at age 22 or younger may continue to occupy this special slot through the year in which he turns 25, provided that a non-homegrown player is still on his first contract. So... What? What? If it's not a homegrown uh, player, it, it, it could take up the special salary cap hit through the age of 25 on his first contract. We will talk about homegrown players that are U-22 in a bit. As a matter of fact, why don't we do it right now? For homegrown players coming out of your academy, if they're this good and you want to sign them to this, uh, it could be a big boon. One name that really crops up for City uh, SC is Aaron Hurd, who's only f- 15 this year, I believe. Hasn't turned 16 yet, I don't think. Um, he might get sold off before he gets here. But first of all, before they transfer him out, they can possibly sign him to one of these. And that raises his value on the transfer market. Keep these kind of ma- uh, ideas in mind in the way that the front offices work. So for homegrown players, they may continue to occupy this U-22 initiative slot through the year in which he turns 25 as long as the player's on his first or second contract. And that second, in those contracts, have to be signed by age 22 or younger. So Aaron Hurd could actually sign one contract. And if he's still with the club, he could then sign a second contract and you assume at a higher rate, he would still take up this slot if he's playing on the first team, and then they can transfer him out, you know, at any time. So that's the difference about developing your own talent in MLS. All these things are here to take advantage of that, and that's why City has invested so much in the academy already. Now, Signing that second contract, there is some age compensation requirements, and uh, that first contract had to be signed with MLS. This is a homegrown player, or they have a caveat if they're signed through the draft as well. They could still, if you want to overpay them, say you sign a generation of Adidas. Uh, doesn't specify, but that comes through the super draft. You sign a generation Adidas player, and they're still very young. Uh, there is a possibility uh, that that would also co- uh, be allowed to do the second contract under the U-22. And I see even the guys here just staring at me. And I have to tell you, I'm confused by this as well. Uh, but I believe they're saying if someone signed their first MLS contract as a homegrown player or via the dra- draft, that player gets to keep the salary cap benefits of being a U-22. So, not as they're written, but what they are meant to achieve, right? This has a a fundamentally different purpose than the young DPs because it is meant to keep young domestic players in the league for longer versus the young DP, which is meant to draw international players away. Somewhat, yes. That's part of the home The other part is... You I thought Mason out, had it. You go out and you pick that 18-year-old that's tearing up the uh, Ecuadorian league, 
And to sign him, you've got to pay their club a whole lot of money to get him because he's really good. You can bring him under the U-22 and develop him that way. A young DP takes up your DP slot. If you sign him young and you sign him for a lot of money, you expect that young DP to still be a productive member of your team for a while. This is more of a speculation play, uh, whereas a young BP is an investment on a player that's going to help you win. This is your speculating that this player will develop and you can take advantage of these rules and you're allowed to have them and see if they develop and you could sell them off for a lot of money. Okay, so I guess this is important. Is there a time limit other than the age 25 year that you can sign a first year contract with a U22 player or can you sign them for like yeah if if they're like 18 years old can you sign them for 7 years now uh, you can if they're international if they're not homegrown uh you only get the benefits against the salary cap through their league year of 25 years of age but so you could so it doesn't matter but you could theoretically sign them to a 7 year contract where they keep that benefit from 18 to 25 on their first contract, if they're international, that is correct. Okay, In if you theory. can, if you can do that, yes. I don't see that happening, but I, I, I could. Yeah. But th- this is this is starting to make sense. Okay. Yeah. Oh, is it? What are you smoking over no, there, Sean? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to sound like you know, I like like the words are being explained, but in reality, it's kind of just like. Okay, I'm getting the gist, but it's not making any it, sense. It's, but it is, but it's, it's not. Yeah, it's starting to sound a little less like deranged street preacher and a little bit more <laughs> profoundly misguided. <laughs> We've tried to put it in uh, terms of DPs, but it's not because you can't pay them more than the maximum salary budget charge of the famous number of $651,250. Uh, how ex- unless they're a homegrown or a super draft pick, then you're allowed to pay him two hundred thousand dollars over that maximum salary budget charge on their second contract. Yes, and on their second contract only. Yes, because nobody's going to pay that much for their own homegrown. They just make him a DP. Jesus Ferreira became a DP. Uh, he was good enough for them. They wanted to keep him. They thought he was going to be traded. He looks like he's going to start in a World Cup at an incredibly young age. He's a very valuable commodity. They locked him up in what they needed to do. So he stands out on this. Um, and that second contract, he can earn up to two... A uh, homegrown or draft pick can earn up to 200000 above the maximum salary budget charge. So think $850,000 a year. In any given year, including option years, and still take advantage of that lower salary cap hit against your salary cap during the term. So if you got a really good homegrown, you could slot them in this U-22 and really get a lot of value for very, almost nothing on the salary cap hit for a lot of years if you can make that contract. If you can get them to sign it, this is great, really, if you can figure out what this means. Important thing to keep in mind is clubs may pay without limit additional amounts in the form of acquisition fees uh, without those being included in the player's salary cap hit. Which uh, they usually are, which is also insane to me, but whatever. 
if they're a U22 and you want to invest in young players and try to develop them, send them off. MLS says that's great for our league. Have at it. Another important perk of U22, if you sign them a U22 and you, you are able to transfer them out of the league, 100% of the proceeds of the sale will be played to the club and amounts may be converted to general allocation money based on a sliding scale with lower transfer fees getting more back and a transfer over $5 million gets none. This, we're not even going to go into. Um, thing keep in mind, outgoing transfer fees are impacted by MLS taking a cut and distributing it, and then also you can only convert uh, one million, just over $1 million to GAM. We're almost done with this. One last caveat. This initiative hasn't worked. Can't really think it too much. I think uh, Jesus Ferreira we brought out actually got signed to a young DP. Cost too much to fit in this. Uh, it really hasn't worked out. We'll see if it happens going forward. Maybe Lutz can figure it out. As confusing as it is, it just isn't really made an impact in the league. But if they do figure it out, those perks could be very important to building a club. And finally, we get to the last of the eight categories that fill up a 30-man roster in MLS. A little overdone, don't you think? This is called Special Discovery Players, and this is very little known. But it could end up being important for a player like Jao Klaus. Uh, in general, the total amount of the acquisition cost of a player is charged against the salary budget in the year which is paid. However, for one player on a club's roster, the total amount of acquisition cost up to a limit of uh, $500,000 can be amortized, you know, averaged out. And this is done over the term of the player's contract, including option years, not just the guaranteed ones. Or if they uh, do an extension before the first contract runs out, it can extend over the time of the first and second contract. So this is a way like Jao Klaus, they could use this, uh, call him a special discovery player, amortize this out of his contracts long enough if he's got option years and get him down to a point to where he can be bought down in TAM in future years and, and clear up another designated player rule. Uh, this is used in MLS. This was the mechanism you were talking about. Early way up about yeah. how to so it's not front loading there yeah okay and this must have been in a while because that's it there's no other caveats going endlessly down my page yeah this one just makes sense yeah so that's it there's only eight ways to categorize a player when you build an additional <laughs> this roster is, this this was like math class when they say oh you only have five questions for homework in math but each question has a b c d e f g h i I feel like I just sat down for a 300-level calculus course, and I barely passed Algebra 2 in high school. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But there you go. Yeah, this is bringing back some serious differential equation memories, for sure. We talked... Mike needs a raise, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about the salary cap last episode. Uh, this one goes more in-depth on how you classify players and how much it takes to fit in a winning team under that small salary cap in MLS. But if you're smart enough, good enough as a technical director, and you got a handle on it, or you hire someone that can, you can really start to fit some good players in under that cap if you can attract them. 
And that leads to the next thing that we'll talk about in this bit by bit going over the roster rules is the various ways in which you can acquire players, as those are also covered under the roster rules. And that is just as exciting as this one was. <laughs> uh, and we're about to see some player acquisition in in full view, so... Yeah, so wanting to get these categories out so you had an understanding, <laughs> term used loosely, of what's going on and terms that you might get banded about that you don't know. So hopefully it's helpful. I tried to explain it as uh, succinctly as possible. <laughs> yes, tried, Ugh. tried. I'll let you decide if I succeeded. Uh, anybody I, I, else? You got, did a good job. I'm still sad. Anybody else got anything for this week's show? Uh, no, you did a good job explaining yeah. it. It just also made me feel like I am the most profoundly stupid man to ever live. <laughs> and within these is some of the things that I really don't understand the MLS roster rules. There's a couple yeah, other it, ones, but most of it I got a good handle on. That at U22 is just some of the motives behind these rules are truly indecipherable and unknowable. It's you know where they started, but where they ended, that's what's so nuts. And the fact they don't rework them, they just slap these things on top of each other because nobody wants to rework this and fight amongst the committee of owners. Uh, fighting amongst itself. Maybe if uh, there's a super majority of these new owners coming in that spend so much money and want to spend, that might change it, but don't look for that to happen anywhere in the near future. Yeah, I know we're running low on time, but does anyone have like a tight five they want to do to spruce up the end of this episode before we sign off? Yes, I do. <laughs> I've got a couple of uh, things here. Uh, a couple of news that came down here very recently. Uh, America's little brother is known as uh, Brendan Aronson, and his little brother is rumored to be on his way to Borussia Mönchengladbach, the uh, place that is home right now to American Joe Scally. Uh, apparently, uh, it's been reported that uh, agreements are in place for the transfer of around $4 million coming out of the Philadelphia Union. He has never solidified a place as a starter for the Union, but they're pretty good. And he is widely viewed as being even better than Brendan. Is so, this Paxton Aronson we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, Paxton Aronson. Yes, Paxton. Um, and been talked yes, about a lot that uh, rumors are he's actually maybe a, end up being a better player than Brendan Aronson and what Brendan Aronson has done at Leeds makes that a pretty powerful statement. And $4 million is not a lot, but it's big for an MLS club. Another one that just broke right before we came is um, Frankfurt in the Bundesliga is uh, wanting to get a hold of Cade Cowell, the 19-year-old uh, longtime veteran now, uh, professional player for the San Jose Earthquakes. He's never solidified himself as a starter, but he's 19 He's quite athletic. He's He's got skills. I still remember the 40-yard uh, diagonal on the run in transition he did with the outside of his foot. Uh, I'll put it on a dime. Not a lot of players have that in their locker. Uh, he's still got growing to go, but uh, supposedly Frankfurt's really after him. Probably other ones too, but the rumor is San Jose Earthquakes, this is not a secret. They want a bushel full of money for him. Uh so I don't know if this is going to go anywhere. Somebody's going to have to put a big, big number in front of uh, the owner of the San Jose Earthquakes who doesn't spend a lot. But now he wants a lot coming in. So we'll see how this goes. Anybody else got anything before we wrap this up? 
I have said quite enough. Mike, you deserve a raise. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of what percentage? One penny would be uh, infinitely I larger. <laughs> I can give you. I can. Best I can do is twelve percent. Okay, twelve percent of zero is still well. Uh oh, zero. <laughs> anyway, I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. I'm your resident cave dwelling hooligan, Sean. My name is Chris, and my brain sounds like the dial-up modem startup noise right now. <laughs> and you know what? We are the Soccer Capital Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. <laughs>